This is Heartstock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. In just a moment, we will have Mark Gavin with us. He is the founder and the owner of EcoJot. Also, remember that you can find us on social media where we post our upcoming programs and recordings of our previous shows. You can also email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. We're always interested in hearing stories of folks using business as a force for good on the planet. This is Heartstock. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. In just a moment, we will be right back with Mark Gavin. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Clark Grant is in the studio. And today, our guest is Mark Gavin. He is the owner and founder of EcoJot. And hi, Mark. How are you? Hello. I'm very good, thanks. Is this a uh, an enterprise that you run with your family? Uh, or do you have a co-founder with EcoJot? Yeah, it, it is a family business. Um, my main two partners are my, my sister, Carolyn, who is a, a very good artist and a, a designer of all the beautiful covers on EcoJot. And then my brother-in-law, who runs the, the manufacturing. And at one point, we, we did have our parents uh, involved, but they have since retired, so they are enjoying their retirement now. And what is EcoJot? EcoJot is a assortment of paper products that are manufactured from paper that is 100% post-consumer recycled. So all the paper is derived from paper that is collected and, and sorted from recycled material. There, there is no, you know, trees cut down or virgin fiber and... Uh, Things have changed a little bit, but we, when we launched the product back in 2007, we were really the first company in, in North America to use 100% post-consumer material. So that's what it is. You know, paper products beautifully designed with 100% post-consumer paper. That was pretty early on before the whole uh, sustainability phenomenon that we kind of find ourselves in today. Is that right? It, that seems like it was... Yeah, well, at the time, at the time back then, it, it was. I think when we we did launch the brand, it it was it just took off. It was it, it went crazy. We we were shipping products all over the world. I mean, as, as a Canadian manufactured product, and the timing of the launch was fantastic. So, um, things have changed a bit, but it's still interesting uh, to see what's going on. But like I say, when we and we did release it. It was, yeah, we couldn't keep up with demand for about 18 months. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, hopefully it continues. Yeah, and that's a that's a good place to find yourself in as an entrepreneur. <laughs> yes, very much. So. <laughs> and we were talking about this just a little earlier, but you have an accent, which I love. And I'm just wondering... Where are you from and how did you find yourself in Canada making products from recycled paper? 
Yeah, well, my background is interesting. I'm born and raised in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. I grew up with uh, the crazy politics of South Africa, you know. uh, I grew up in the 1970s and 80s, and uh, the apartheid regime was, was in its heyday. Uh, you know, the separation of races is, is law, and, and you know, I just looked at the future and political instability of the country, and I didn't find myself wanting to stay there. So I, I left and I emigrated to Toronto in 1990, and I've been here ever since. Uh, my background is actually high tech. Uh, and I worked in, in some software companies, but I I joined my, my sister, who also came here a little bit after I did, uh, and we started a I started really selling her her art and and printing and, and you know learned all about paper and printing processes and eventually you know things one thing led to another and we launched uh, the brand. Subsequent to EcoJot was was Mirage Paper Company, which is also beautiful paper items. And then EcoJot was launched, and we changed to changed our um, our materials. Um, You know, subsequent to 2007, we 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 weren't using uh, recycled paper. We were using all kinds of you know other paper with with virgin fiber. Okay, and and what made you decide to that recycled was the way to go? Um, I just looked at the um, you know clear cutting of forests and, and, and destructive nature of the paper industry, and being that this material was was newly available in Canada, it's a Canadian mill that was the first company really to create 100% post-consumer paper, and so the resource was there for me. And the, the company who creates it has, has a very interesting story, and, and it's run off the grid, and, and the whole uh, sustainability aspect is, is very real. And that was very attractive to me at the time. Um, so I, you know, I had a, I had a easy easy access to to 100% post-consumer paper, and I, and I liked the story, and, and so I wanted to reinvent our company as a brand that you know uses and supports that. Yeah, and so you you immigrated to Canada from South Africa, and you went to Toronto straightforward. Was that what? Correct. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And I'm just kind of curious. You said your background was in tech. Did you go to college or university in South Africa, or was that here in the U.S.? No, I studied in in South Africa, electronics and uh, computer engineering. And I, when I came here, I, I had it was quite easy to get a job, you know, having a knowledge and background of that. So I, I came here and got to work fairly easily. And uh, I just found myself yearning for uh, entrepreneurial, you know, mm-hmm. desire. I had the entrepreneurial spirit. So when Carolyn arrived here, we we started our little business, which which grew and grew and. Things happened like that, organically, I suppose. Yeah, so once you got to to Toronto, then 
how did you find this company that you're partnering with? It it really sounds like they may have been on the cutting edge themselves also. Yeah, well, you know, it was a few years after we started our business and so I I was aware of all the all the paper distributors and paper mills and actually the idea came from one of my customers who uh was a big chain of art art supply stores. We we used to make sketchbooks for them and they had a new product which they wanted us to make for them using hundred percent post consumer material. So that was really the introduction to that material, and at that point, I thought, well, why don't we do this, you know, for ourselves? And and uh, we uh, launched the brand of EcoJot. There used to be a big trade show in New York, the New York Stationery Show. It, it, it sadly does not exist anymore. But when when we took uh, the samples there in 2007-2008, there was a very good reception to it. That, that's how it unfolded like that. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us just a little bit about your your other partnerships? It sounds like your sister is your artist. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my sister is Carolyn, and mm-hmm. and she's the she's the artist. She's a you know successful artist in her own way, and she she does all kinds of projects and licensing and so forth. Um, and her her artwork. A very strong, a very strong design aesthetic and illustration, and you know, it took what was inside, which is essentially you know just lined pages or, or blank pages, and uh, decorated the covers with, with very beautiful aesthetic. And essentially, that's the visual nature of, of what it is, and that's always been what we do—not just you know black books or plain colored, beautifully designed artwork decorating fronts. And what's her background? Did she have professional or um, technical training herself? She studied uh, graphic design in, in our hometown, Johannesburg. Uh, I guess she knew as a young young girl that she wanted to be an artist, and it's all she's ever done. And luckily, she's been able to to you know have a dream job. I guess you know, always working and designing, and she didn't really ever want to do anything else. Mm. Yeah, she is all these years later. We'll we'll bring it. And what impact has coming from South Africa had on your entrepreneurship journey or yeah, how has this influenced you? It's always interesting because many of the entrepreneurs that we interview and we speak with have, you know, either come to the United States or Canada from faraway places. Um yeah. the the melting pot effect, so to speak. What was that like coming from apartheid to Canada? Well, to be, to be honest, it was nice. I mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy all the, the violence. South Africa became a very violent place with lots of crime and, and often, you know, you know, lots of muggings, and, and you just felt very threatened. I mean, it's still like that due to the uh, polarization, I guess, of. Of rich and poor, um, so many unemployed people, and and just Canada is a more stable country where you know you pay maybe high taxes, but it feels safe here. So I, the, the feeling of personal safety was very important, not to feel threatened, you know, walking out of your house, and you know, in South Africa, all the 
houses have walls and fences and barbed wire. Yeah, you know, you don't really see that. So socially, uh, that was nice to see, but nevertheless, we were, you know, didn't didn't really know anybody and had to really start from zero here. And uh, that's what we did. I I, I just uh, started working and working and working very hard for 20 odd years, <laughs> building it up and, and meeting people and making connections. And I'm thankful that we came to Canada and to have those opportunities. Did you think about coming to the United States at all? And, and you know, why Canada? Uh, mm-hmm. um, well, as an English speaking person, I, I mean, I do have a second language, but uh, my first language is English. But yeah, there's, you know, my friends, a lot of my friends did go to the United States, uh, some in Australia. Um, at that point, it was hard to get into the U.S. And we had other friends and family in Canada, and they, they liked it. And so we just came here because it was more easy to get in as an immigrant. Yeah, and, you know, we we could talk and, and diverge quite a bit here about, you know, societies that are equal versus societies that are not. And, you know, there are certainly some some parallels that we could make between the United States and South Africa. Um, you know, there's a lot of unrest, in, in politically speaking, and that ha- certainly has an impact along with all that we're experiencing with, with COVID now. But... Um, yeah. I, What's your perception of you know the the social and economic stability of things there in Canada versus the United States the way things are currently? I don't know. Some of my friends in America were, were have, haven't had a long, happy last few years. <laughs> I think they feel better now. <laughs> um, uh, my personal feeling is Canada's you know it's a lot smaller. I think we have. 38 million population spread over this huge land, you know, this massive land. I think politically there's there's more choices here. We have, you know, in, in any one uh, federal election, there's four or five parties. You know, it seems like the United States is, is one or the other. It seems, I don't know, it doesn't seem for so many people, it seems maybe there could be other choices, but you know, uh, I'm not sure. I've never lived in the U.S., but uh, I think people seem uh, more relieved now <laughs> with the current administration. Certainly my friends that I've picked. We're at about that halfway point. We're going to pause here and take a quick music break in just a moment. We will be back with Mark Gavin of EcoJot. This is Hardstock. Thanks for listening. This is Heartstock, and today we are speaking with Mark Gavin of EcoJot. 
I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and um, hi again, Mark. Good. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you so much for being on Heartstock. And I'm hoping that we can kind of, uh, we already talked about this a bit, you know, the history of your company. Bring us up to speed to where we are today. I know you said uh, you founded in 2007? Uh, we started the brand of, actually started before then, but the brand of EcoJug was, yes, was launched in 2007. And what was your brand previous uh, to that? I was called Mirage. Okay. Uh, Mirage Paper Company. Okay. And like it wasn't using recycled materials, it was just whatever, you know, paper we could find at the time. And then you found the paper mill that was using post-consumer materials. Tell us a little bit about that partner. We touched upon it, but they seem really cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very it's an award winning paper mill. It's, it's called it's Cascade. It's a big paper company in Quebec, which is one province over from Ontario, uh, the next eastern province. And the mill where they produce the hundred percent post consumer material is it's really run pretty much off the grid, which is quite interesting to think that a paper mill has huge power requirements. I mean a paper really operates 24 hours a day and does not shut down very often. So they uh, use methane gas for their power, which is piped in from a nearby garbage facility. And there's enough methane there to uh, support the running of this paper. Well, I, th- I think it's nine, o- over 90% supported from uh, methane gas. And there's the other chemicals, like the bleaching chemicals they use are... Uh, on, on non-toxic and, and they're a very nice story to it. So, yeah, we're happy to uh, partner with them. Although I will say that recently there are studies of paper that show that carbon-neutral paper is, is also got an interesting footprint. I, I think, uh, you know, when we recycle paper, there's, there's numerous processes that require, you know, electricity and transportation. You have to extract the, the usable fibers and and uh, that's the process and, and transport them to the mill and, and so forth. So I'm, I'm looking possibly at, at introducing a carbon neutral uh, sheet as well, which is not 100% post-consumer recycled, but I think that, um, you know, in business you need to uh, look at things and all the time and see and just because you've been you know have a habit of doing something for have an amount of time or length of time something comes up that may uh, take you in a little bit of a different direction yeah and and that's a a good point that you're making um because recycled is not always the best <laughs> if no. you're looking at the whole whole grand picture yeah, and you know we've we've had a couple guests where we have talked about the plastics dilemma and recycling plastics, and um, it seems that you know the big picture view you have to take into consider everything, you know the environment, the costs, consumer demand. Um, why do you think why do you think carbon neutral might be better than recycled? Um. I think it's mainly a, a uh, function of 
of just the processes that go into recycled paper. So, you know, there's all the collection. So all the collection of, of material, of new, old newspapers and old boxes, and just, just you know, just getting enough collected to, 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 you know, produce paper. I mean, it's just, you know, the transportation, the sorting, de-inking, extracting fibers, you know, the recycled fibers. Paper fibers shorten as they get recycled. And, you know, you have to sort the usable fiber from, from what's not usable and, you know, send it to the mill. All those processes require energy and transportation. And I've just seen a new study showing that carbon neutral, this is recent, like in the last three to four weeks, carbon neutral manufactured paper is, is actually more beneficial than from a you know transportation standpoint. And if you look at the, at the total footprint, so I'm, I'm trying one product now with carbon neutral sheet. And, I, you know, it may happen that I'm, I may switch, like like once I've, I'm totally convinced that the way that we, we may, you know, change from 12 years of using 100% post-consumer into carbon neutral material. What is it that makes it carbon neutral? Can can you maybe define that for us a little more clearly? Because in, in my mind, it's like, hmm, what what is that exactly? <laughs> you know... I, I can't really answer that enough with enough uh, accuracy right now. To, to uh, but I guess the the idea is that with certain carbon offset purchase that negate the all, all the transportation factors. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't give more information. At this time. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. But I know here in in Montana, in the United States, yeah. you know, the, the big issue with recycling is lack of population density. So there's just not enough of us, nor do we live close enough to recycling centers. So that adds a huge amount of cost, like you were saying, just in the transportation alone, gathering it. And then where where do we send it once it is gathered and you know, that's that's a long haul <laughs> here in Montana. Yeah. And I would think in Canada yeah. it's it's the same. So how how have you been funded? Is is this something that you had investors for or did you bootstrap? No, we really started from zero and and uh you know, it was hard in the beginning, but what, we, what was so difficult? We, we, yeah, we we, you know, we dug into what little money we had and we took a loan from the bank. But uh, what happened early on in, a, in our business life is, is Borders Books, who, 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 who no longer exist, they gave us a big, really big order, a few big orders back in the beginning. Um, like, you know, big, really big. Our little fledgling startup. And, and once they paid, uh, you know, once we had gotten compensation for those orders, there was enough cash flow to to get us up and running, and that's so purely self-funded from you know the old-fashioned way. Mm-hmm. And how did you procure those big orders early on? Um, uh, we had a, a a rep, and the borders used to be based in the Michigan area, and we had a, a sales rep 
there who presented our, our books to board. And uh, they liked them and just jumped right on, right on it. And, uh, you know, it was just in the right place at the right time. Hmm. That's awesome. And are you, uh, are you still doing wholesale or do you do mostly direct-to-customer now? What's your business well, model? Well, we, we still do some wholesale. I mean, the whole nature of business has changed like, over the last five years. And we've changed also. We, we've actually downsized. Um, at one point, like I was saying, we were sending products all over the world. Australia, New Zealand, Mexico, Scandinavia, all over Europe. And the whole nature of this business and wholesale has changed. So we, we still do some wholesale and, and a lot of custom manufacturing. So we, we take people's artwork and put it on the books and the covers. And of course, our online business as well. That's our working right now. Mm-hmm. Can you talk more about that, how you've seen the whole nature of business change? Um, well, in, in my personal, you know, business dealings, like I used to go to New York a few times a year and, and do trade shows in, in the Javits Center, a big trade show venue there in New York, and meet people and, and have, you know, relationships. And, of course, this is... A lot of these churches, like that station show I mentioned, is, is, does not exist anymore. Uh, so the climate is, is is a little more impersonal and, and less about relationships, I guess, more about social media and branding and, and getting uh, people to come to your website and uh, online marketing. More so, you know, than... Personal relationships. I find people don't want to speak on the phone anymore. So um, the, the communication has changed into this whole world, and of course, with you know, pandemic and not helping. <laughs> so it's kind of pushing us uh, in, in in away from that even farther. Exactly. So yeah. So, you know, I'm old fashioned. I, I always enjoyed meeting people and talking to people and. Um, Helping out, helping people out, but I've had to adjust my behavior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being that I, I barely leave the house these days, um, yeah. so uh, yeah, it's it's a different world compared to you know ten years ago when when things were you know a lot more con- personal contact with people. Yeah, yeah, we have about a little over a minute left. And I'm hoping we can share with our listeners how they might find you, either carrying on the conversation or your or your products. Yeah, they can look at our website, ecojot.com, or email me at, at mark at ecojot.com. That's really how to do that. Or we're also on, you know, on, on, the, on the Instagram and Facebook, ecojot, E-C-O-J-O-T, all the, the, the main social medias and as far as, you know, if you go there, you can send me a message or, or phone me. My, my phone number is there as well. Nice. Thank you so much for sharing your story on Heartstock and, um, yeah, saving some trees. <laughs> Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm Carol Murphy, your host. We'll see you next week. Peace. Sun come shining, but I 
Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. As I went walking, I saw a sign there, and on the sign it said, No trespassing, but on